Welcome, it's that time once again, the Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Over 20 years we've been doing this show right here, our toll-free number, 800-951-0592, the physical delivery of gold and silver wealth insurance. It's what it is. If you don't have your financial insurance, in place, well, then you probably don't want to listen to this show today. 800-951-0592 is our toll-free number. The website at allamericangold.com. Check out the metals program. We probably don't talk about that enough. What a great program it is. I'm probably not going to talk about it enough today either. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all these things. I've been promising you. You know, our new website is is a lot like the economy. The soft data is really good. I mean, I was talk. I've been talking. Hey, listen! By the end of the month, by the end of the week, we're going to have it. It's going to be ready. Unfortunately, the actual results we're not quite there. <laughs> we're not quite there. Uh, Ramon and I and, and Ryan and Eugene, we're working on it. We're working on it. We're close. Not quite there. I don't. I, it's, I'm hopeful that sometime next week it'll be ready. We're close, but we got a a few more tweaks to, to get to before we're we're ready. Uh, but that happened all this morning. We were in the new modern world. Yes, we were texting back and forth which drives me crazy uh, we are texting back and forth it's called the phone Let's novel idea let's call each other and talk about it but anyway uh, we're close won't be ready we won't be live tomorrow missed it by that much just a bit outside just a bit outside uh, but, but we are close we will have it it's almost ready I'm excited about it. We're going to have all of our all of our social media outlets up and running. We're going to have a whole lot more of uh, of me in it. Which, let's face it, I I say it all the time. I mean, can't get much better than more of me and less of everybody else. Uh, we still have all the news, all the articles, all the video, all that stuff. We're going to have it all, and uh, just going to be a little while longer. Uh, it's like it's kind of like you know I'm expecting economic growth to pick up in the second half, <laughs> the second half of the year. A uh, bunch of economic data out today. Well, I shouldn't say a bunch. Uh, we had some soft data and some actual data. Uh, the soft data, they actually reported it twice. Yes, the first time it wasn't very good. And a couple hours later, they came out and said, well, how about this, and do you like it better, the Chicago Purchasing Managers Index fell to a six-month low and then rose to the highest since 2014, all in the span of a few hours. The, The big, I guess, issue in the soft data was how many of the manufacturers in their survey were actually going to hire somebody. 
and, and, and I shouldn't even say actually, that said that maybe, yeah, we're thinking about it. Apparently, thinking about something now means it's actual. Uh, the Chicago PMI, I'm, I'm going to say it's at a high, the highest since 2014 because that was the last one that came out, and that just came out. Uh, about an about an hour ago, the initial report came out about three hours ago. Uh, then the actual data point that came out today was not good. Uh, pending home sales, uh, they were you know were in the uh, and, and this was the pending home sales, and it was an April number. So this is the heart of the spring shopping season, I guess, for homes, if you can call it that. Uh, it actually fell 1.3%, and they're now saying that pending home sales is down, uh, I want to say, 3.5% year over year. The biggest reason, they say not enough homes on the market, oh, and nobody can afford them. So uh, you do the math. I'm not sure which. We got a really good program today. One of the... And there's a few of them out there, guys that that have my respect that I think uh, base their decisions on solid economic research, you know, actual research. Uh, One of these guys was out again today. I've talked about him in the past, Paul Singer. He's the Elliott Wave Theory guy. He is a... Wall Street tycoon. Uh, he had he was actually out yesterday, uh, and he's doing something that that I think we all need to pay attention to. As we've been talking about a little bit here and a little bit there, all of these you're starting to hear it now, where people are getting ready for the big correction. Uh, Paul Singer now throwing his hat into that ring. We'll talk about what he had to say. Matter of fact, how much money that he's raised? Because you know, at the end of the day, you got to put your money where your mouth is, uh, and and we're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk. You know, we talked about taxes quite a bit in the last few weeks. Uh, there was a great report out uh, yesterday. We'll share it with you today. Adjust how much more. Are we paying in taxes since Kennedy was in office? Patriot Radio News Hour. Don't touch that dial. Patriot Radio News Hour. You know, and it's always hard because I know a lot of people, and not you know, not those of you that listen every day, but but people that that maybe don't tune in all the time or especially if you try to tell them the information I've already given, but they don't want to believe it, right? And, and they want to believe that the housing market in Denver, which is that ridiculous, as a matter of fact, it's more ridiculous in Denver now than it was in 07. But they want to believe that's going to be reality. Of course, we know it won't be. And all of the other markets that are all doing the same thing, because we know already that if we couldn't support the debt load in 07, we 
definitely can't support the debt load today. No matter what they say, you got 20 million more people on food stamps. You got 5 million more people on disability insurance. Wages, real wages, have not grown in 10 years. Those are all facts. It's improbable. It is not likely. Billionaire investor Paul Singer. He has a bleak outlook for Wall Street, and he's built a $5 billion rainy day fund in preparation for what he describes as all hell to break out. Singer, who runs, you know, he, and I know some of you are like, oh, I've never heard of this guy. He's, you know, this right wing, you know, he's. He's like Peter Schiff or some of the others. Nah. This guy runs Elliott Management. $33 billion fund. Okay, this guy is huge. He wrote in a recent letter to his investors, and these are the ones that I like the best, right? When they come out and they talk to you, and he's writing to these people that have given him $33 billion. Okay? The average person, right? We, I can't invest with Paul Singer, right? He, please. Take your little pittance and go away, right? These, This is where the uh, wealthiest of the wealthiest, this is their playground. He wrote in a least recent letter to investors that a bout of protracted low volatility, right? This is what Wall Street's been, oh, everything's wonderful. (laughs) I mean, it's been truly amazing. And tendencies of stocks to levitate higher is likely to lead to near-term carnage in the financial market. I'm going to read you a, a... paragraph that is in this letter. Given groupthink and the determination of policymakers to do whatever it takes to prevent the next market crash, okay, and they go, of course, so given groupthink, right, he's talking about the academics out there, right, policymakers, right, we're doing everything, right? I mean, just look at what they've done. Right? We have no idea what anything should be valued at. We really don't. We think that the low volatil- volatility levitation magic act of stocks and bonds will exist until the disenchanting moment when it does not. That's Paul Singer's way of saying... How did you go bankrupt? Well, it's really gradual at first. And then it was suddenly. He says at that moment, all hell will break loose. And then in parentheses, he says, don't ask us what hell looks like. A scenario that will nevertheless present opportunities Okay, so he's like, hey, listen, don't ask me to describe hell. 
But, well, we're all in hell. There's going to be some opportunity. And they are likely to be both extraordinarily, extraordinary and ephemeral. I don't even know how to pronounce it. He uses words I don't even know how to pronounce. E-P-H-E-M-E-R-A-L. That is way above my pay grade. But I'm going to surmise that it's going to be fantastic. Soon as this thing goes to to hell in a handbasket, there's going to be some fantastic opportunities. The only way to take advantage of those opportunities is to have ready access to capital. Right? You better have some money set aside. And oh, by the way, you better not have it in your money markets, in your 401ks, or or, or your IRAs, because you're not going to be able to get to it. Upon sending this letter out to his investors, Singer raised more than $5 billion in a matter of weeks. According to Reuters, he says he will put that money to work when investor confidence is finally brought to his knees. And I'm sorry that I said weeks. He raised that sum in less than 24 hours. Less than 24 hours, according to the report that Reuters uh, is reporting on. And so you start thinking about this. This is, right, these are the people, these are the insiders. Right, here's a guy, Paul Singer, who I will tell you right now, every time he's out, I listen. Sometimes he's very bullish. Sometimes he's very bearish. But the one thing that I think is always where he is right is when he senses there's going to be a time to strike and it's coming soon. And I wanted to share that all with you because he's talking about, he's not talking about a little pullback, right? And you hear this, oh, well, you know, a little 5% pullback, that'll be good. 10% pullback, that'll be healthy. Which... Those are true, right? You, you can't always go up forever. And we all know Wall Street's way overpriced. The housing market's way overpriced. All of it's way overpriced. And, and he's talking about bringing people to their knees. And the fact that he raised $5 billion in 24 hours is, is kind of a testament to, obviously, what he was saying in that letter, those people were feeling it. Right? They were feeling it. And then you start looking again. Today we had a great example. The report that means nothing. Chicago PMI. We weren't even sure if it was down or up. I guess the second version said, hey, it's going to be great. Then the report that actually dealt with the reality pending home sales, not very good. 
according to Singer, sometime very soon, it's going to go the other way very drastically. And then you start thinking about how is all of this going to work? Right? Because really, the only thing really working right now, really, is what? The stock market's kind of, it's working. Right? It's up. But when you look at why it's up, profits aren't up. And really, the bigger thing, forget about profits, because profits, let's face it, we know now, right? We really don't know. You can make things look any way you want, right? Even a company like Sears reports a profit once in a while. Of course, it's had to sell its Crackman tools, but it reported a profit last quarter. Revenue. Revenue down. Almost without, with the exception of who? Amazon. <laughs> I mean, if the whole stock market, if anybody just was, maybe Amazon may be the only company left. Did you see Michael Kors today? And that is a, I believe, a higher end women's retailer. Arlene is nodding her head, saying, okay, yeah, you got to, I've never been in one. Uh, apparently, I'm not going to be in one either because they're going to be closing several hundred locations. They announced today, uh, as the retail carnage continues, uh, Procter and Gamble and uh, who was the other one? Procter and Gamble and uh, I forget the mm, General Mills. Procter and Gamble, General Mills, both announced layoffs today as well. And you kind of are wondering. All this debt that's been created, who's going to pay for it all? What happens if Paul Singer is right and we're all going to see what hell is going to look like? And and you start to really, you know, you really need to be ready. And you need to be ready a lot sooner than you think you need to be ready because this is how it works, right? It doesn't wait. You don't get the Hurricane Katrina warning. <laughs> you just don't get it. And I shouldn't say that because I give it to you all the time. I've been giving you the warning the whole way through. But for everybody else, right, they're going to be on the idiot box a week before it all goes down telling you how great things are. They just do. Right? They're going to come out in a few weeks. You know, here's what's funny. Have you seen the 10-year note? The Fed is supposed to be raising rates in two weeks. The 10-year note keeps falling. I don't know if you noticed Wall Street volumes. You know, when I started, and we have this DTN machine here in the office, and it sits right behind me. And when I give you the spot prices for gold and silver, Right, it's it's linked to Wall Street, and this is the the live feeds, and the paper contracts are traded, and the electronic trading, and all that stuff. The NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange volume, on a slow day, was about 1.2 billion shares, and on a huge day, would reach about two 2.2 billion shares traded. And this was in 03, 04, 05, 06. Today, 
I don't remember the last time I've seen it hit a billion shares traded. Yesterday, they didn't even trade 800 million shares. And, and, and I bring that up because remember last week when I told you who owns Wall Street? Who's got the money in? And really, there's only two groups. The guys like Singer, right? The investors, right? The billionaires and old people, right? And this is the last place you're supposed to be. And and the reason was it was way too risky, right? And you weren't supposed to have your money in there. Now they tell you this is where you need to be. You should be concerned about it. And you start thinking about what Paul Singer said to his investors and how in 24 hours, he got $5 billion waiting for hell to come. Patriot Radio News Hour. We're going to talk about taxes next. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Sanctuary cities are Democrat-controlled places which harbor dangerous illegal aliens and fail to detain them for deportation by the federal government. At least 118 jurisdictions in the United States consider themselves to be sanctuary cities for illegal aliens, and many of these cities fail to cooperate with the federal government when a violent illegal alien is apprehended. Most sanctuary cities would go bankrupt without the federal subsidies they receive. There is no constitutional right for cities to continue to take handouts from federal taxpayers while also defying federal law. Despite the clear legality of Attorney General Sessions' crackdown in March, the mayors of New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Chicago, Los Angeles, and San Francisco all issued statements reaffirming their sanctuary policies. President Trump's latest threat changes nothing, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio declared, vowing that he won't back down from protecting his illegal residents from an overzealous administration fixated on xenophobia and needless division. In 2016, approximately 279 counties and cities were uncooperative with the federal government in detaining illegal aliens. Many of the noncompliant jails are located in Texas to the dismay of its Republican governor, Greg Abbott. Abbott declared, I applaud today's bold action by Attorney General Sessions that aims to end sanctuary city policies that endanger American lives. But mayors are preparing lawsuits against the U.S. Attorney General with the help of the American Civil Liberties Union. The ACLU recently conducted a nationwide campaign of resistance training with the goal of turning cities into safe havens for illegal aliens and refugees. The federal courts are packed with activist judges appointed by Democratic presidents, and one of them could order the federal government to continue funding sanctuary cities. But... The Trump administration could simply stop signing checks payable to the defiant cities. We're headed to a showdown that could very well end the overreach in power by federal supremacist judges. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the cost of illegal immigration? It burdens our schools, hospitals, and social services. It opens the door to criminals, terrorists, and voter fraud. And it's unfair to those who came here legally. At PSEagles.com, we want to hear your thoughts on illegal immigration. Join the blog at PSEagles.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You've been warned. Gold's up five today, $1,267. And silver's down five cents. So they kind of doing the opposite from yesterday. Uh, silver, by the way, $17.37 this morning. Uh, still really attractive. Still right about 73 ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. And you know my rule. Anytime it's above 70, that's a, that's a good entry point. Remember... Uh, what was it, about 10 days ago, it was almost the 77, 78, so it's, it's getting closer back into uh, what I would call normal parameters. You know, we, we, we started talking about taxes, and this is something you need to, to, to be aware of. California yesterday, and I think really ultimately this is where they want to, to see it go, This what they like to call universal health, where, hey, everybody gets health care. And it's all free. <laughs> right? And we saw, you know, it was going to take the state of California and you have to pay a 30% state tax on top of your federal taxes to pay for it all. And I think this part, uh, Terrence Jeffrey, talking about the per capita taxes, real federal taxes per capita have more than doubled since John F. Kennedy served as president. And by the way, at that point, he was arguing for less taxes. In 1961, the fiscal year that Kennedy was elected, the federal government collected about $94.388 billion in taxes according to the Office of Management and Budget. Okay, so this, again, and I love when when these things happen. Okay, let's use the actual data that the government has collected. $94.388 billion. Says the population that year was 183,691,000, according to the Census Bureau. That meant federal tax revenue equaled $514 per capita. Now, they went a step further. They said, or $4,121 in 2016 dollars. So that part I really like. They actually paid per taxpayer, per per person, per person, five hundred bucks. In nineteen sixty one, that was what the average person in the United States paid in taxes, federal taxes, five hundred fourteen dollars, which today. 
thank you to the Federal Reserve and never being any inflation would mean you'd be paying $4,121. By 1965, the fiscal year that Lyndon Johnson beat Barry Goldwater, the federal government collected $116 billion. So, you know, more, but not outrageous. $94 billion to 116 so you... You know, collected about an extra $22 billion. The population had grown by about 7 million people. And they, they, the amount per person was $601. Or $4,578. Thank you, uh, Federal Reserve and Janet Yellen. In 2016... The federal government collected $3.268 trillion. So we went from about $100 billion to $3.268 trillion over the last, what, 50-some-odd years. That equals about $10,114 per person in the country. Of course, and as we know, the largest portion of that, right, is the payroll tax. Everybody pays that. If, you have a, if you're working in America, you pay the payroll tax. That that amounts to about 33% of all federal taxes or 35% of all federal taxes. Then they got what I'll call other tax, which is about 9%. Then the, I think 11% is corporate taxes. Then the other 44% is taxes above and beyond, federal taxes above and beyond the payroll tax was about 44%. So we went from paying about $500 a year to $10,000 a year. Even when you adjusted for inflation, the adjusted for inflation number should have only been $4,578. Instead, it's over ten grand. It says the per capita federal taxation in fiscal 2016 was 121% more than it was in 1965. 145% more than it was in 1961, only if you do the inflation adjusted. By the way, when we are up and live in our new website, one of the new features, as we said, we're gonna you're gonna see a lot more of research done by me, a lot more of me blogging. I I break apart the inflation index. And one of the things that is fascinating in how the government calculates inflation. Let's just say, and I just took 
something random, something that I think is easy for everybody to understand. Fillets and T-bone steaks. They both go up 10%. So a fillet was $15 a pound. It's now $16.50. Okay? A T-bone steak was $13.65, and these prices are totally red. Because most of you out there are like, I don't know what Double's talking about. No fillet is only 15 bucks. I, I just, this is just that for an example. Was thirteen dollars and sixty-five cents. Now fifteen dollars. So both items went up ten percent. How much do you think the CPI index went up? We'll have that answer when we come back. Welcome back, Patriot Radio News Hour. So the question is. Because I love when they do the adjusted for inflation, which they try to give credibility to the to their credibility to their ability to tell us what inflation is. And really, again, inflation really is the printing of money. That's really the the inflation. And let's face it, we know that. Right? There's inflation everywhere. Just look at the debt pile. That's just all inflation, right? They just keep printing it and printing it and printing it and printing it and printing it. The effect of the printing of the money, which most of people consider to be the inflation part, right? The effect is it takes more and more of the money to buy stuff, right? Because, well, let's face it. You got millions and millions and billions and billions and trillions and trillions and quadrillions and quadrillions of it. Not that valuable. But what they what they have done, it used to be, and really it was very simple. And this is how you know that they're up to no good. When they take something very simple and they make it so complicated that nobody even bothers to try to figure it out anymore because you can't. And, of course, remember, these are great academics. These people studied at the most prestigious institutions in the country. So they must be right, and the really simple answer must be wrong. The really simple answer, it just took a basket of items, and month, every every month, did the price go up or did it go down? Did it go up? Did it go down? Did it go up? Did it go down? And they came out and said, Inflation was up, or inflation was down, or inflation was unchanged. And you know what was funny? Even when you look back through the gold standard years, when there was no central bank, most of the 1800s, I want to say from like the mid-1830s all the way to 1913, there was no central bank in this country. None. 
never heard of any great bouts of inflation. And we did. The Civil War. The Civil War, there was inflation. And then right after the Civil War, I guess they'd call it deflation now, right? Which they hate. Right? Apparently, remember, that's a bad word. Things costing less is bad now. But it went right back. And for most of the other years, there was really no inflation either way. Maybe a little up or a little down, but I mean minuscule. It wasn't until we put the bankers in charge that we started to get this inflation. And they used to just compare it to one another. And you still had big swings. You could have up years, down years, you, you, World War One, lots of inflation. Right after World War One, there was some deflation. Things started to cost less. Same thing happened during the Great Depression. Matter of fact, during the Depression, not every year was negative inflation. Matter of fact, quite the contrary. But inflation in it varied. It swung wildly. You had the hyperinflation of the 70s. You had a, a de- some big deflation years uh, in the Great Depression right after World War One, right after World War Two. But you weren't constant, right? We were very consistent without the central bank, which was really there wasn't any. All of a sudden, though, in the 80s, things somehow started to get better. And inflation started to get more consistent. There was always inflation, right? Matter of fact, the last time there was an, a, ne- a negative inflation number, I want to, and I'll have to, I'll, I'll double check it, but I think it was in the 60s. So this tells you how they've changed it all. But by the 90s, they had made so many changes to the CPI in the 80s and the 90s, these academics, that the answer to my question, if a filet goes up from $15 to 1650 and a T-bone steak goes from 1365 to $15, okay, they both go up 10%. How much does the CPI go up? And the answer is zero. Because in the eyes of the academics, well, since the T-bone steak went to 1650, or I'm sorry, the filet went to 1650, everybody will just buy the the T-bone that are now at 50. So therefore, there's really no inflation. They're still going to get a pound of meat. And the people that couldn't afford the filet to begin with and were buying the T-bone, well, they'll buy the sirloin. Even though that went up 10% too, there's still no inflation. And if if the beef's too high, they'll buy the chicken. Right? And if the chicken's too much, they'll buy the hamburger. And if the pork, or if the hamburger's too much, they'll buy the pork. And even if they all go up 10%, we're going to say the answer is zero.
All of you that are on Social Security, could you imagine if your Social Security check was double what you're currently getting, how much better your life would be? Thanks to the Federal Reserve and the academics, you don't get that. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment on this Wednesday. Tomorrow we'll start getting all the jobs data numbers. Uh, the Dow's down 45. The S&P's down 6. The Nasdaq's down 20. Gold's up uh, $6.80. No, $7 now. $1,269. Uh, silver uh, still down, but not too much. Down 4 cents. $12, or $12, $17.38. Uh, today I do have... A couple of different items. We have some two and a half dollar Indian for two fifty five, two fifty five on some two and a half dollar Indians. I uh, got about twenty of those, and then on the uh, the twenty dollar gold market U.S. twenty dollar Liberties and Saints, uh, both of them either or uh, at thirteen seventy at eight hundred. Nine five one zero five nine two. Uh, those of you that are waiting on five dollar Liberty Gold pieces, those are going to ship tomorrow. Uh, Falcons are on their way. Falcons have left uh, the Bullion Bank in California. They're on their way here. Uh, they, I think they're going to land here Friday. So the first people, the first group of Falcon buyers, uh, you'll go out on Friday. The rest of you will go out uh, the early part of next week and what else uh, that's right u.s silver eagles premiums are rising again so if you're looking at getting into the u.s silver eagle market uh give us a call 800-951-0592 that kind of backwards market that we saw in silver seems to be pretty much evaporated all the the older back dates uh are have pretty much been gone through now so we'll We'll be getting back to only current year. There are still some backdates left, uh, so you want to take advantage of that before the prices pop back up at 800-951-0592. Remember, jobless claims tomorrow. Uh, Paul Singer was out today. To, uh, Mark uh, Faber, the gloom, doom, and doom. You know uh, Faber. He was just out on the idiot box. Uh, throwing his hat in with Singer saying, you better get prepared. I don't know what that means. You know, I get worried when, you know, because I already, you know, we know it's overvalued and we get that. But when they talk about the gates of hell and stuff and when when Singer goes out and and raises $5 billion to sit on the sideline, right, these guys had this short thing. I mean, these are super wealthy individuals. Hey, what are you doing with uh, your money right now? Well, I'm working. You know, I've got this going. I'm buying this. I'm buying that. I'm in stocks. I'm in bonds. I'm in the real estate. Hey, the gates of hell are going to open. How much money do you want to just give to me to have me sit on and wait? He got $5 billion in a day. In a day. And you start thinking about 
what these guys and these other people, you know, these people, they're, they know. Right, you hear about the the foreclosures ramping up in the billion, or I guess the million-dollar levels in New York. San Francisco looks like, the at least what they're saying, the housing market may finally be rolling over in San Francisco. Which I don't even know how people can afford to live in that place. I mean, if you're not like a multimillionaire, I don't even know how you can live in that city, but I don't know. Make sure you're ready, though, because remember, it happens really gradually, and then it's suddenly. Pedro Radio News Hour. We'll be back tomorrow.